Welcome to Beyond Wall Street, presented by Arixa Capital, where expert investors make their unique investment strategies easy to understand. I'm your host, Jan Bresky, and today I'm talking with Scott Greist of Prima Health Credit. We'll be discussing making loans for elective dental and medical procedures. So Scott, I'm really excited to talk to you today, and I want to get into the details of everything about your strategy, but let's start out if you could, by just uh, going through your background. How did you come to start your own company and uh, what's been your career to this point? Well, thanks for having me, Jay, and uh, excited to be here. And thanks to all your uh, viewers and listeners out there for joining in, appreciate it. Uh, I started off uh, right out of MBA school. We turned uh, a class project into a business. Uh, the final class was the entrepreneurship class and professor gave us 250 grand to start a company right during the dot-com heyday. After that, I had a bunch of financial services companies since then. Uh, the most recent uh, was a, it's called a merchant cash advance company, where we finance small businesses, Main Street America, uh, providing uh, capital to hair salons, restaurants, bars, which are underserved and not, not part of the bank. Uh, put out about $2 billion over uh, 11 years and sold that to a large credit card processing company. And that's then transitioned now into helping serve underbanked with Prima Health Credit, where we do patient financing, financing uh, dental, orthodontia, uh, eye surgeries, things of that nature, elective care. And can you give us a kind of a rough breakdown? What are the biggest categories within um, that health care that, that you do finance? Two thirds of the market is dental and orthodontia. Because face it, if you have dental insurance, it really does nothing for you except for give you a couple cleanings a year. No, when you ever need any work done, you know, bridges, crowns, it covers very little for most dental plans. So that's the majority of the market. I would say the next biggest would be ophthalmology and uh, LASIK surgery. So all sorts of, you know, cornea implants, LASIK. And then the rest of it is rounded out with a mix of bariatrics, uh, cosmetic surgery, uh, some uh, image diagnostic. If you don't have insurance, it's expensive to get a CAT scan and things of that nature. So let's focus on dental and orthodontics, since that's the biggest category. Um, what what is a typical loan amount, um, and and is that a hundred percent of the cost of the procedure, or is it a less than a hundred percent? How do you decide how much to lend? Typical average size is between two thousand to twenty five hundred dollars. Is your average size? Of course, you have small as small as three hundred dollars, and then all the way up to forty thousand, thirty five thousand for full mouth restoration. But the majority of that market is a kid, parents paying for the kids to get braces or a, a bridge or a couple of crowns getting done for a couple of grand. Most of these are two to five year loans or installment contracts. And, you know, you don't want to put the consumer in a position where they can't pay and set them up for failure. So they're paying back the loan over two to five years. Are they doing monthly uh, installments? And that does that include principal and interest every month? Generally, yeah, they're almost all, you know, term installments where, it's, you know, one level payment. All the way throughout so. so they know up front if i want to borrow this money to get this elective procedure i'm going to be paying x dollars a month for the term of the loan it's fixed are they fixed rate loans or are they variable it's, rate? no they're all fixed rate loans and we try to we're a little different competition we try to give an option okay here's your payment for two years here's your payment for 36 months here's your payment for 48 because we really want to some people and some people we'll even give them a 12-month offer if they want right some people just want to get it over and done with others want the lowest payment everyone has a different uh, buying motivation when selecting their financing contract. Sure. And how do you get this opportunity, this uh, lending 
in front of the potential borrower? Is that through a relationship with the dentist's office or the orthodontist's office or some other way? Yeah, it's always done for us and the majority of all of our competitors. It's done through the, uh, the medical provider's office. Uh, the treatment coordinators typically will say, hey, here's your options. Um, you know, it's going to cost you 2500 bucks for this bridge. Uh, we take, you know, credit card, cash, check, or uh, uh, convenient financing payments through Prima Health Credit. And if the person says, I'd like to look into getting the financing through Prima, um, how does that work? Are they, are they signing the agreement the same day or the, is it at a prior visit that they do it and then they come back for the actual procedure and are they doing it on a on a like an ipad or are they doing it on a piece of paper with a signature we're really a fintech company that's where we're really disrupting the market we make it really easy for that um, uh, dental office uh, employee or treatment coordinator to just push a link to the person's email address or phone uh 50 of the time they complete it right in the chair takes them about three or four minutes. They complete the application while they're sitting in the chair. Uh, their presented offer is right there in the spot. A credit decisioning takes about three to five seconds. And then they can select and sign there. About the other 50%, they want to think about it, right? They want to go home, talk to their husband and wife. And they'll go home, they'll complete it at home. And then they'll schedule their, their, their uh, treatment for the next day. So it's really convenient for them. And also, it's really great for the dental offices the employees aren't taking time to sit down and key in information in front of a computer or an iPad with the patient. It's really self-service and they like, they love that aspect of it. So it's a, it's a separate relationship between you as the lender and the, the patient and the doctor is just making them aware of the opportunity and sending them a link. That's all the doctor. That's all they have to do, you know, on the front end to the, to the, the patient experience. Mm -hmm. And on the back end, there's a lot going on between us and the doctor, obviously. But uh, for the consumer, it's really, it really flows, really flows well. And then after they do the loan, obviously, it's all fintech, they get text or email notifications of what they want reminders, they can change their payment methods and all the typical stuff you'd expect from mm -hmm. a full service financial provider. Well, it certainly sounds like a giant market. Because um, these procedures are are big. How, how, how much money is spent on these procedures in, in a year? The kinds of things that you finance, give me a rough number of the market. About 11 billion. 11 billion a year. And is that expected spent... to grow to 14 billion by 2025? And then of that 11 billion, how much of that is going to people that that would potentially be interested in a loan on that on those services? That's what's being originated in the patient finance space today. Is today. Billion. So yeah, so that's the market. Your origination volume is a part of that 11 billion of today's market growing to 14. Yeah. And we have one, uh, there is one large competitor out there, which most people have heard of care credit. It was the ancient dinosaur in the space. And, um, we're trying to disrupt that space. Interesting. So let's talk about it from the investor's perspective. What's the range of net returns that investors, um, are looking for when they invest into these types of programs? Generally they're looking to 10 X their dollars in a, a three to five year investment from our investors. They definitely looking for a minimum of a 10 X and obviously they want to hit the home run and get the hundred X. So investors, do they have an option to invest into a vehicle where they can just, their money goes into the loans? It sounds like they're investing in the platform and hoping to make a huge return if, and when you sell the business, right? That's exactly right. So you could operate this though as a fund business as well, presumably, where they invested 
in the loans themselves. So let's talk about that for a minute. What kind of returns do you get net from the loans themselves? Well, there's two revenue components for us too on that investment side, right? Uh, the doctors can choose to offer 0% financing to the patients. So for example, on a $2,000 procedure, uh, we would then ship the doctor roughly about $1,700 $1, to $1,800, depending on the credit quality of the patient themselves, right? Or we charge the consumer anywhere from $9.99 all the way up to $24.99 for deep subprime uh, patients. So that's the ranges that we play in. And the doctors can play with different levers in there if they want to take more of a discount. And, uh, and really, it comes down to where the doctor's located at. Um, and what they what they want to do. So if a doctor's in a high income area, they're going to want to charge no interest. Uh, and in the, in the um, uh, lower income areas, they want to make the full amount. So $9.99 to $24.99. And when you look across all the loans in the portfolio at the moment, what's what's kind of a blended weighted average um, interest rate that you're earning? I guess this is before any bad debt, right? So right. So let's talk about before any bad debt, and then let's talk about how much do you reserve for loan losses? Yeah, about 19% is our average. We try to reserve 8% because we go all the way, we do the full credit spectrum from super prime all the way down to deep subprime. So we go from, you know, 800s all the way down to a 500 FICO. So I'm, I'm kind of converting this into from an investor perspective that was uh -huh. investing just in the loans. How much are you, is that net after loan loss reserves? Is it, are you, you said something about 8%, but. Yeah, about 8%. So we're collecting roughly that 11 to 12% as a return. But presumably you're able to use some debt financing at the company level as well if you pledge all those loans or do you want to securitize those loans? What's, how, how do you approach this? Well, the game plan is is to securitize the subprime stuff uh, out, and where we can you know charge a higher amount on the prime stuff. There's a lot of banking partners that want to partner up, where they want us to originate for them, and then we get paid for the origination, and then get paid to manage it on the back end. You know, banks are very comfortable lending to anybody with a, a FICO above 720, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and their rates are very very cheap. So for us, uh, we can make a lot bigger spread by you know, originating, basically selling it off immediately to a bank and then get paid to service that loan. So for our audience that's been following these interviews, there are two models for finance companies. And, and Scott, yours is what, what I call an operating company model. Mm -hmm. And the other model, which is, happens to be a Rix's model, is sort of the fund manager, investment manager model. But it, what's very interesting is you can do the exact same loans. It's just how do you how do you balance sheet them and where do the investors participate and what are the investors trying to get out of it? You've got an equation where if you're very successful, you're looking to multiply the investor's capital versus if they just invest in the loans themselves, they're, they're gonna, they'd be getting, let's say one of your competitors that might operate on more of a fund manager model, right. they may be delivering an eight to 10. Yeah, roughly, they probably are an eight to 10% coupon. You know, they're, they're just gonna clip it every month and take it as interest income, right, every month. Right, 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 absolutely. Um, what do you like most about this market? What What do you um, find most appealing about it? You've obviously done a lot of things. You chose to do this as your next venture. So why did you choose this market? Really because of the lack of competition and they're just being dominated by one player who has not innovated at all in any way. For example, um, we saw a big market in the, in the immigrant population. 
we originally launched with a no social, no ITIN product because there's so many other sources of data out there that you can use and put into your risk modeling and really, really drive down that bad debt. If someone tried to you know, do this subprime market just on a FICO base, your loan losses are going to be 20 to 24%, typically what it is when you start doing that subprime and deep subprime. You can pull a lot of other data in. Uh, it's just amazing what's available out there. And you can really drive down those losses. The doctors were saying, hey, when I use the big competitor, I only get an approval four out of 10 times, right? We come in and we're like, we're giving you an approval eight out of 10 times. So that completely changes the internal operations in the doctor's office. No longer are the employees afraid to offer someone finance because they're going to have to say no. They're getting to say yes most of the time, which drives their top line revenue. And obviously that all trickles down to the bottom line revenue. Scott, you were talking about um, all the different data points that can be used to assess somebody's creditworthiness. One statistic I heard, and you probably know, know much more about this, um, is if people store their contacts in their phone with a lowercase um, yep. instead of a uppercase names, that is a sign of much lower credit quality. <laughs> Have you heard that too? We use that. Uh, if they're properly formatted with, you know, Norm is the capital N and Smith is the capital S, and it's over 80% of their contacts are properly, are properly uh, formatted, uh, it's about a four time, four, four X decrease in bad debt. So this is where I guess the world of big data and artificial intelligence merges with credit investing and, and finance. And you're, you're uh, on the leading edge of that. Yeah, that's, we did. I was really successful doing that in the small business market, looking at uh, different data points, like uh, in the small business financing for I had, we would look at their Yelp reviews and what their Yelp trend score was over time. And it was amazing how that you know, Yelp, TripAdvisor and Google reviews and that drove a lot of the bad debt decisioning, you know. You have to be more careful now on the consumer side, right? Because there's more regulation, obviously, than you did on the on the B2B side. But there's just a lot of different data points. That... Yeah, you need permission from the user or borrower right. to access their their contacts and things like that, obviously. Yeah, exactly, yep, you set it up where you get permission and do it right. Right, so what do you perceive as the biggest risk? And let's focus it on the investment strategy itself. You know, like your company, is an operating business, but what do you think is the biggest risk of, on to the underlying loans that you're making? Not not paying off at par or loan losses going higher than expected or whatever else. I think obviously the biggest risk is economic, right? Macroeconomic, you know, depression, recession. That's just gonna, everything's going to crush. You know, uh, uh, you know, a lower tide's going to you know, affect all boats, so to speak. You know, mm -hmm. so that's that's the largest risk for us is the macroeconomic on mm -hmm. that side of the loans paying off. Uh, which is why we charge those premium rates, uh, especially when diving into the subprime side of it. What part of the country is are you um, built out in the most right now? Because you have to sign up doctor's offices and dentist offices group by group or one by one. So I'm guessing it's a, a, a rollout over time. Where is, where is your uh, presence today? 50% of all medical financing is out of California, Arizona, Texas, and Florida. That's about, that's about 45% of the market right there. And now we're in about 40 states and we'll finish out the year in, the, in 50. Are there companies that are doing similar types of loans, but doing it with the investor model where high net worth individuals could invest into funds that go into these loans? Or has your industry really been dominated by the um, 
operating companies like yours? Dominated by the operating company, but you had uh, Lending Club, right? Which was doing these types of loans, you know, uh, which didn't turn out too well for them, I don't think. Mm -hmm. So it's been tried. Um, the majority of it is the operating companies. Let's look out in the future five years. What do you see in your industry? How do you see it evolving? What changes do you think will take place? I think our industry will be disrupted, if not by us, by one of our competitors coming in and really changing, the, taking all the friction out of the transaction as there is now, making it super easy for the, for the uh, patients. I think there's going to be one clear winner in the space. We hope it's us that really grows and dominates and can have a uh, successful exit. I think there's going to be more care for more patients. So it's important for the, pa the patients now who can't afford to get it are now have an opportunity you know, to fix their teeth, to get that LASIK surgery so they don't have to wear glasses anymore. So I think it's really going to change and help the consumers to get what they need in the, in the healthcare that's being recommended by their doctors. Mm -hmm. It's going to really transfer for the bottom end of the market. Top end of the market doesn't have any problem right now. It's really going to help that bottom end of the market. Well, Scott, um, I want to thank you for your time. It's been fascinating hearing about your business. Well, thank you. I really appreciate the time today. And uh, I look forward to seeing more from you. I'm Jan Bresky, and you've been listening to Beyond Wall Street. <laughs>